another episode of Wall Check Talks. Today we're going to be talking about legal operation or legal ops as it is more commonly known. It is a set of processes and activities that help legal teams function more effectively. Sometimes this is through the adoption of streamlined processes or technology or even by training manpower to conduct operations in a specified way. Essentially, all the behind the scenes work done to improve productivity and efficiency for legal teams. We have Rachita Maker, Global Head of Legal Ops Tech and Consulting at DWF to discuss this topic. Welcome, Rachita. Thanks so much. I'm really excited. Yes, we're looking to take advantage of your legal ops experience and break that down for the audience. But before we get into the questions, I'm going to give the audience a little bit of background about you. Rachita is a lawyer by education and she started her experience in legal ops in her first role at Pangea 3, which was a managed legal service provider. She's a legal ops expert with close to 20 years of experience in roles at EY, Integrion, and Tata Communications. And legal ops was an integral part of all of these roles. She's also produced the popular Legal Ops one-on-one series in collaboration with Phoenix Advisors, a short video series where she discusses different aspects of legal operations with guests. You should really check that out. Excited to chat with you today, Rachita. Thank you. Thanks so much. And I'm very excited to be here. To Great. So let's get into the questions. And I'm going to start with something very basic. Uh, what is the scope of legal operations and what all does it include? So I think, I mean, that's 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 a big scope because legal operations can really depend on what the organization is ready for. Right. Um, and, and it's it's important not only for big organizations, but also for small legal teams. Uh, but the scope varies from organization to organization, depending on what the strategy of the organization is, what what are the key functions that it wants to uh, wants to cover. Um, essentially, when legal ops started, um, which was uh, I think in the last recession when it started getting really really popular, the idea was how to bring in efficiencies into legal teams. So that's that's really the key theme. Uh, but some of the things that that it definitely covers is areas around. Uh, invoicing, spend management, areas around contract management, um, areas around, you know, how to use technology within the legal themes um, to make it more efficient, how to automate some of the manual processes. And ultimately, I think what most organizations or what most GCs really want legal operations to do is to is to bridge that gap between business and the legal team. Um, historically, law, uh, lawyers have always been viewed as, um, you know, one, as a cost center, two, as people who, you know, delay the business. So, And it is becoming more and more important for the legal departments to respond to business in a way that business understands and also in, at the pace that it understands. So how, how do we really increase that speed to contracting? How can we get responses on the business absolutely readily so you know questions which are being asked every day how do we make it more easily available to them using either intranet size or chatbots or etc so that i think in a nutshell is what legal operations does for most organizations yeah and i also think like the latest buzzword going around linkedin post right now is how gcs are required to do more with less and I feel like, I mean, that's definitely true. It's a huge pressure on in-house teams. And a large part of how they deal with this is by exactly doing all of the things that you said in legal ops, looking for ways to be more efficient, uh, adopting technology, streamlining processes. Uh, it's really the need of the hour today. 
Yes, and I think I think you're right. I, mean, I, I I feel it's just not the GCs, right? It's just how the economic environment is today. Everybody has been tasked to do more with less, and 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 really, I mean, we've we've now seen GCs when they come into their roles, new roles, rather than figuring out which lawyer to hire, they first figure out which legal operations leader to hire because they know that that's become such a key and integral part of a legal department. It's 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 definitely a strategic initiative it's not tactical anymore when it started it was tactical but it has really evolved to being a more strategic part of the legal department the legal operations leaders today have a seat at the table of the legal leadership um they have the say in most of the strategic initiatives and are leading some of most of those uh, strategic initiatives yeah in fact rajita you've almost answered my second question but i'm going to ask it anyway just in case you wanted to add anything more um which is basically we see legal ops um to, is important for all legal teams but i was wondering if you could give us a few examples of what it looks like in corporate legal teams or with managed legal service providers or alsps as they're more commonly known yeah so so while most people think that you know legal operations is important when you have hundreds and thousands of legal teams in in large organizations i think legal operations is so much more important even in small legal teams so irrespective of what your team size is um because the smaller teams actually have more pressure because they have less resources right so so their pressure is really how can they use technology to make make their lives much more easier and be able to respond to business so while the legal team may not be growing the business is definitely growing in most organizations in the bigger organizations it's about how do you make it more efficient right so when you even even when you have hundreds and thousands of lawyers it may not be the most efficiently run machine so so how does legal operations comes in and how do they support it to become more efficient so like i mentioned earlier it, it really depends on what the organization is what the demands of the organization are the the scope of legal operations changes um but but that's really what it is looking at is aligning legal to business i mean if one of the key things that legal operations needs to do is you know understand the corporate strategy and make sure that legal strategy is is aligned to what the business strategy is yeah because doing that can go a long way in getting effective results for a company as a whole absolutely touch on, briefly on one of the points you mentioned earlier how legal ops is also emerging a lot as a function important <clears throat> function in law firms so i was wondering if you could share your thoughts on this sure i think legal operations um in law firms has two two aspects now um one of them is you know to to improve eff- uh, efficiency within the firm uh, to improve the processes within the firm to look at innovation uh, because clients expect law firms to now innovate and to also stay up with not just technology but you know how 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 business is being done around the world so so there are two aspects one is internal looking um innovation or legal operations that focuses on the functioning of lawyers within the law firm and how they are providing services to clients the other aspects that a lot of law firms that are doing is are now including including ours is we actually providing consulting services for uh clients within the law firm so that's what my team particularly does uh within the firm is where we consult clients understand what their problems are whether they are related to process whether they are related to spend management and and just like any other practice area whether it's litigation or commercial 
legal operations consulting is definitely a practice. Actually, it's interesting you mentioned this because I know the big four also provide this consulting service, but they do it or, or at least they traditionally typically did it mostly for in-house teams. But uh, it's interesting to see this shift where they're now also providing this service um, to law firms. Yeah, I mean, because similar to what big fours are doing, law firms are providing similar services uh, to in-house teams. Um, definitely, they tend to be the end clients. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are there are some la large law firms. I mean, most law firms also need to make sure that they are running yeah. efficiently, right? And that's where legal operations does come into play for for the firms itself. So one were to start as a any legal team uh, saying that, you know, we need to start getting legal ops professionals in. Uh, what are the kind of skill sets that they should be looking for? Is it project management, Lean Six Sigma? What do you think work, works best? And if someone wants to get into legal ops as a professional, how should they go about upskilling themselves? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something very basic, uh, Priyadarshini. I think what you need to have is strong business acumen that's that's very very important um i think most legal operations people need to have project management skills i mean you cannot work efficiently if you don't have strong project management skills and you cannot support your internal or external clients if you don't have that um i i mean also you, you you're not going to get one person who has all the skills right but in my mind some of the key skills definitely are project and process management, um, uh, financial uh, acumen <clears throat> and financial skills, because that's a huge part of uh, uh, legal operations is, is managing spend, seeing areas where you can actually reduce spend uh, and how do you streamline it. Somebody who has good um, technical skills, so you may not necessarily be from technology background, but you should know how to best use technology and how to get people to, um, to use technology. But I think one of the biggest skills is the ability to drive change. Um, I mean, most of it that I've seen in my career and what I see around my peers in legal, uh, legal operations, a large part of their job is change management, right? Everything that they are trying to do is obviously questioning the status quo, um, you know, where, where people, people are comfortable doing things in a certain way way it works right so yeah. why fix break, something break, that's break not broken not, yeah um why fix it if it's not broken yeah so yeah so so it was it it really is about okay how do you drive change i think that is one of the most important skill sets most of the other skill sets you can pretty much learn but you know the ability to to drive change is something that is very, very important as, yeah. as a legal operations uh, specialist. And I think though it seems simple on the face of it, it's extremely hard to find people who are skilled at change management because it's not easy. It's listening to different stakeholders, understanding their problems, trying to figure out what works best. And sometimes also, uh, you know, explaining and showing to them how this proposed solution actually can make things better. And it's it's a really hard job. I think I think it is probably one of the hardest part of any job is if you, if you have change management. I mean, I remember when I was I was in house as a legal operations leader. That was probably eighty percent of my job was driving change management. Um, you know, you can you can always find people to uh, who have financial skills or who have project management skills yeah. or have the tech background. 
or knowledge management, data management skills, but to be to to know to find people who can really tactfully drive that change, taking everybody along, and and also selling that change to others, right? I mean, that is getting buy-in from everybody. That's the most important piece. I think that that is extremely um, it's a difficult skill to find. I can totally imagine. I'm going to move gears a little bit and move towards data and metrics and why it is so important for legal ops. And I was wondering if you could give us a few examples. Uh, I think data, as they say today, is the new oil, right? I mean, it is it is becoming important part of any any informed decision making that we want to do in business today. And I think as as for any other function, it also becomes important for legal. And and to be very honest, um, everything around legal is is if you see historically, it's all documents, it's all text heavy, right? So how do you convert that document so that that information, because the information is just increasing day, day in and day out, how do you make it in a form that's easily available, it's metrics driven, uh, and, and can be presented to, to uh, the management, right, in a way that's, that's digestible? So that is why I think it becomes very tricky when you are in legal ops, like um, that you, you I mean, historically, no one's ever been tracking data, right? So you have to figure out areas how you can, within the existing ecosystem, how you can cull data, how do you drive the discipline of tracking data? I mean, most lawyers leave law firms and go in-house because they want to stop stop tracking time, right? Yeah. They want to stop tracking anything that they're doing, details of their matters, etc. Nobody wants to do that. So, So how do you do it? in a way that is, you know, not not very time consuming, uh, but at the same time is gives you the ability to gives you the ability to really capture right information to make decisions. So for example, contracts are text heavy, but they have so many data points that can help business in the future, not just looking back, uh, but things like pricing decisions, things like things you know, understanding jurisdiction nuances, looking at your contracts so that in the future, when you're you're driving business, you're driving growth, you have that information. Yeah. But if you don't have a system internally that's capturing all that information, how are you going to how are you going to help the business with right. that? So and, and that and, and giving this data to lawyers actually makes them much more powerful in front of the business because then they are able to drive those conversations in a much more objective manner and it's just not you know subjective gut feel i think this is yeah. what happens it's really not that right it's 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 it's, it's this is the facts these are the figures Correct. this is what is driving this and something 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 <clears throat> as simple as what are the dv how many contracts under this type have we agreed to a deviation with xyz clause sometimes it's something as simple as that but you want to know have i agreed to a deviation yeah. like 10 times in the last five years or 20 times and then because Business wants to know that before they take a decision on how to negotiate this particular clause. So I can totally see how it's yeah. extremely important. Yeah, I mean, I, I had one client once who said, oh, we absolutely never agree to unlimited liability. Said, <laughs> we went in and we looked at just the sample contracts and we were like, it wasn't that much. You know, it was probably two or three percent of their contracts yeah. where they did have it. But. You, you could not say with absolute certainty unless you have data that backs yeah. you up. 
And often I find even when you go in saying that, okay, we need this data because often it's like, sort of like a chicken and egg, right? To improve the processes, you need the data, but they don't have the data to start with. So then you first have to say, okay, we need to start collecting this data. And that's also, you get pushed back on that because that's extra time and effort on everybody's part. And uh, they don't always- On everybody's part. Yeah. yeah. And they, you know, they feel like you're just creating extra work for them. And they're not able to always appreciate the big picture down the road when you have this entire data matrix and you're able to actually view insights, valuable insights from all of that data. So that's also a challenge. So my my general mantra around that is, you know, you, you have to one, start small. You can't go and say, oh, now we're going to get everything all together. So- so you pick your area, you, you pick your people who are champions, you work with them, you create a sort of a sample data size and, and, and I, you know, show that once you're able to look at a small sample size, show that to people, give them really when they can see and feel is when they understand, right? If you're speaking in abstract and saying, oh, yeah, this is going to give, yeah. give us great information. Nobody, I mean, different people imagine things differently, they learn things differently. So I always feel like rather than making everything into a five-year project or saying either we have zero or everything does not work, right? You're, you're at zero. So have realistic expectations. If you're at zero, even if you get to 10, that's success. So how do you how do you make that into success? Pick, pick a small area, pick a small sample size, work with, some, you know, two or three people. You don't have to go and work with 200 people in your team all together, Get, take that as a case study, then exhibit that to everyone. So then it helps you drive that and continue to build on it, right? So so at least you know in one month you've got some success and then you can keep building on it. And over a period of six months, you've actually, you know, made a lot of progress. Whereas if you try to see that you're going to change everything and churn the ocean overnight, that's never going to happen. You're going to be burned out, right? And everyone's going to feel like it's just an unhappy feeling when you don't feel like you're yeah. achieving anything. So I, I really think just biting just enough that you can chew and then exhibiting that, it also gives quick wins, makes people feel like, okay, things are working. Yeah, on the right moving track. in the right direction. I think that's extremely valuable advice. Mm -hmm. So this is another thing that I'm sure you yeah. encounter a lot. Most people come and saying, give us a tech solution for this problem. But as we know, tech is not always the answer. In fact, lots of times tech has to work together with better processes and skilled people. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, this is this is like, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty much, and it, it's surprising. You would have thought that a lot of people would be, would be educated by now. And this is where I think a lot of legal operations uh, teams also struggle because They've been given a mandate, go implement a technology solution, right? <clears throat> Look at a document management solution, a CLM, or just figure out the tech stack without really the backstory. What are we trying to achieve? Um, you, you, you really need to get to the people and the process first, um, understand who's doing what before you can say, okay, there is a technology solution. Sometimes it may not even be a technology solution. Sometimes it may just be a small process change that can actually give you much bigger results, right? And and I think the biggest pitfalls that I have seen is where people who, there are organizations where they have no technology or really rudimentary technology, 
and then try to go all bells and whistles, big bang tech implementations. I mean, those are really, you know, recipes for disaster. So I think what's important is, is to understand first what the problem cause of problem is. Of course, I mean, technology is going to enable what you're doing, but if you're going to take an inefficient process and you're going to put it into a really high, high tech solution, now you're going to get a very highly inefficient process with mixed with technology. Nothing's going to happen. So it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be that much more inefficient now. So, so it's very important to understand the people aspect of it and the process aspect of it, to then put technology before, but putting technology before everything is like putting the cart before the horse really. And that, that does not I think, any. unfortunately, in those instances, the leader team gets burned very <clears> easily <throat> and then they don't, they have an aversion to trying any technology in the future. And then that's very difficult to overcome at any stage. So it's always important to stress that, yes, technology is important, but it has its place. And there are several other things that need to fall in line before you move to the technology. Absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, I've, I've seen so many legal departments where they've gone, tried a new technology without yeah. doing all the back work, without really, uh, the other other biggest pitfall is, you know, you, you have a team that's focused on implementation. They'll do the implementation and they're gone. Nobody's working towards change management. Nobody's working towards adoption. And people just think like magically a tool will be implemented one day and magically everyone's going to start using it the next day. That, that's, that's not yeah. how it works, right? And you're absolutely right. People get burnt out. And, and I have so many times I have clients saying, oh, this tool's pretty crappy, right? I'm like, no tool's crappy. No tool's they fantastic. They always blame the tools. When it doesn't work, they always blame the tools. And they always blame the tool because nobody wants to blame themselves and yeah. say, oh, we did not implement it well, right? So, so always blame something else. And because tool has no feelings, so let's just blame the tool. Um, but, but I think, I think it's, it's, and, and then they are like, oh my God, now we have to go through this all over again. But it is so important to do the groundwork, even before deciding on a technology, get your house together, get your act together. Your implementation will go so much more efficiently and smoothly. Your, but, Work does not stop at implementation. So a lot of times what also happens is people just think, oh, we're done with the implementation. Yeah, yeah, now it's going to all start uh, tomorrow. Yeah. No, that's when the hard work really begins because that's when you start working on change management. That's when you start working on adoption. That's when you have to really handhold people. Um, you know, you, you, you need to have a governance plan in place for people to reach out and um, make sure that there is a team that's, making sure that others are adopting the technology yeah. that is so much more important and this is exactly else. where legal ops comes into play because it comes up with a continuous improvement plan for uh, the entire technology rollout so like you said it's looking at not just adoption it's looking at training it's looking at um, improving the accessibility of any faults within the software so getting access to the legal tech vendor if there's like a bug it's looking at all aspects including the change management which is, as you mentioned is the most important to try and get everybody on board so i think legal ops is a fairly critical function when you look at onboarding any technology absolutely onboarding technology or even like driving any kind of new initiatives or, or changes within the organization. I think 
I think it it plays a really really significant role, and and not taking away anything about from what the lawyers do, right? They are really the bread and butter, but but it's enabling lawyers to really, like I said earlier on, bridge that gap between business and law. law. That is what that's where legal ops comes in. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much, Rachita, for your time today. It's been very insightful to learn about all the ins and outs of legal ops in different legal teams. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Priya Dashni.